Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a lesson on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's central mission is to convince, convict, and convert sinners to Jesus, primarily through the scriptures and the gospel, that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of all who trust in him. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Jesus said that apart from him, we can do nothing. This is why after his ascension, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Today, Pastor Steve outlines the Holy Spirit's role in guiding believers into truth and unveiling the wisdom and knowledge that comes from God. It's the first part of an insightful message called The Holy Helper. You can listen and find relevant resources online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve with today's message. We are returning to our Upper Room series, and a quick reminder that the Upper Room is happening the week of Jesus. This is uh, his Passion Week. It's Thursday night, and uh, it is effectively Jesus' last will and testament. He is wanting to prepare the disciples for his soon departure. They have no idea that uh, he means like in a couple hours. And in the upper room, he washes their feet, he institutes the Lord's Supper, he teaches extensively on his departure, and the key theme of the upper room is God. Jesus talks about God, the nature of God, and specifically the nature of the triunity of God. I should ask, if you were about to die, let's say in three hours, and you had time with your family, what would you talk to them about? How many of us would say, I want to talk about the relationships between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? That's basically what Jesus does. And it tells us something about the importance, uh, from Jesus' perspective, of what we think and how we see God. I think of the quote from Tozer, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Indeed, that is the case. And Jesus wants the disciples to think rightly about God and to understand uh, him triunally, okay? When we we think about God, there is, uh, you might be new to Christianity, and so this is an important truth that there is a singularity to God, there is a wholeness, a oneness to God, there is only one God, but the Bible presents this one God in a, in a threeness, three personalities, persons within the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at one verse that Jesus gives. It's a very important verse describing the person and the role of the Holy Spirit. That third person, he's often referred to as the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So uh, here is the verse. I'm just going to read it. This is John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He will bear witness about me. 
Now what I'm going to do is I'm just going to allow every clause of that verse to be the outline of the message, and we're just going to walk through it here. A reminder, though, that the context for this one verse is a larger section where Jesus is talking about hatred, how the world is going, he tells his disciples, the world is going to hate you, but know this, the reason they hate you is that they first hated me. Their hatred of you is really rooted in a hatred of me. And he says, there is impending persecution and suffering that you are going to go through. And and if you know the story of the disciples, indeed they did. But at the root of this is the old ancient spiritual enmity between God and Satan, light and darkness, truth and lies, righteousness and and sin. The world is hostile. The world as a, as a uh, system of thought, a value set, is hostile to God. And by the way, that is still true today. That's an important thing to realize, friends. It is still true today. What do we need in the midst of this hostility? We need help. We need help. Well, hey, good news. Did you see how the verse began? But when the helper comes, when the helper comes, first of all, a key role of the Holy Spirit is he is here to help us, okay, to help us. But when the helper comes, at least that's how the English Standard Version, if you have that, that's the preaching version that we use here. But you may not have that, and you're kind of squinting at your Bible or your device or whatever you're looking at right now, and you're going, mine doesn't say that. Maybe yours says, let me just walk through a few popular translations. When the counselor comes, that's the NIV. When the advocate comes, New Revised Standard Version, New Living Translation. When the comforter comes, King James Version. When the friend comes, the message And you could go through all the many, many different translations, and you'll find that they all translate it differently. And you're like, well, what is up with that? Why would they not go with the same word in the English? And the reason for this is that the Greek word paraclete, maybe you're familiar with that. There's a few Greek words some English-speaking Christians know, and that tends to be one of them, is a notoriously slippery Greek word to translate into English. In fact, one commentator goes with this translation, Christocentric advocate encourager. Now, they didn't put that in the translations because it would be, I don't know, too long maybe. They went with helper, but Christocentric advocate encourager. We don't have one good word that says what that word means. And, uh, Let's just be honest here. I think all of the words sound pretty good to me. Counselor, yep, I'll take one. Advocate, all day long. Comforter, yes, please. Divine friend, now that's a friend in high places. I could use one of those. How about you? So what we have here then is each of these words are getting at a dimension of the work of the Holy Spirit in the world, and in us. Now, we know from other scriptures that when a sinner becomes a Christian, that the Holy Spirit 
is the one who applies the gospel of Jesus to us individually. He regenerates the sinner, also known as born again. He makes us alive spiritually. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. And he indwells us. And this means that God's presence by the Holy Spirit is in and with every Christian. If you are a Christian here today, and I hope everybody is, and if you're not, I hope you are by the time you leave today. It means that God's personal presence is with you 24-7. How's that for an encouragement, okay? Oh, God, please come draw near. God's in heaven. I'm already there, okay? God, I need you in my life. I've been there for three decades, you know? It's like, do we realize what it means that the Holy Spirit is with us all the time? But when the helper comes... Okay, so Jesus is, when is a temporal word, so when is he talking about? And if you were to continue to read in your New Testament, you would get to Acts 1. And in Acts 1, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, and he says to his disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the power to show up. Okay? You will be empowered to receive power from on high. What power was he talking about? Well, it is the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit who came on the Jewish festival day, Pentecost. So indeed, they went to Jerusalem. They went back to the upper room, by the way. This is a pretty important room in the story of Christianity. They're in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and that began a new ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world through the church and the gospel, and that ministry has now been going on for around 2,000 years. He is with his people. He is with us right now. Take a moment and just ponder that. God, by the Spirit, is right here with us right now, indwelling us as his people. Now, I need to correct a sometimes heresy that I hear from unintentioned heretics in the church. I sometimes hear people talk about the Holy Spirit as an it, an innocent mistake, I'm sure. But notice that Jesus says that he will bear witness of me. He uses a personal pronoun. And the reason he says he, not it, is that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It is not in it. I think this comes maybe from the old King James translation of Holy Ghost. We're not sure what pronoun to use for a ghost. But let's make it clear here at Bethel Church, the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. Don't refer to him as as an it. When I hear that uh, you know, from people, I, it gives me the pastoral shivers. Like, you know wait a second, he is no more an it than you're an it. How would you like it if I called you an it? Hey, it, get over there. You'd be like, wait a second, that's beneath me, I'm a person. And so is the Holy Spirit, okay? So the Bible describes him as a he. This is not meaning he is a, has gendered sexuality. Again, it is speaking to the person or the personality of the Holy Spirit, which by the way, I am so glad for because I can't really have a relationship with an it, but I can have a relationship with a he. 
And that's something to realize, that we are in a kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit in which that relationship can be cultivated over time. Okay, We, we can grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, specifically in terms of his control in our life, or as Paul calls it, the filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is not so much about us getting more of him because we have all of him. It is much more about him having more of us, okay? That's growing by the Spirit in the control of the Holy Spirit. But the main thing I wanted to say is quit giving me the shivers around here, would you please? And let's not be heretics. He is a he, not an it. Okay, so whom I will send to you from the Father. Now you might be thinking to yourself, why is who sends this spirit, he, uh, so important. I mean, aren't we kind of straining the theological gnat here? Are we not wearing our theological belts a little too tight? Why does it matter who, from the Godhead, which member sent the Spirit? I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? And here now, I feel like the swim instructor at the hub pool going to the kiddie pool and saying, hey, let's all jump in the deep end a moment, shall we? Because you may not be aware that what I just said who sent the Holy Spirit, divided the worldwide church into two churches. And I want to tell you that story here briefly. There is so much more. You could take a class on church history and learn a lot more about this. But perhaps you've wondered as you drive around the community, what is it with all of these Orthodox churches that I see around. And then there's these Catholic churches and then these Orthodox churches, like what gives with that? And perhaps you were interested enough to Google it and you've, you've learned the story I'm about to tell or you've just driven by and never took the time to look into it. Well, this is a very fascinating question because it relates to the verse that we're looking at here today. The sending of the Spirit is a pivotal question in church history and explains these two different groups. And as a side note, one reason that you see so many Orthodox churches here in Northwest Indiana is that uh, many uh, immigrants from Eastern Europe came here to work in the mills back in the mid part of the last century. And when they came, here came all of these Orthodox churches. So what gives with this? So here's the story, okay? Here's the story. In the year 381, there was a council, the Council of Nicaea, and they developed one of the most important creeds in the history of the church. And this is what it said about the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. Okay? Excellent statement. Good. 200 years later, there was a gathering of Western church leaders in Spain, and they decided to add to the sentence, who proceeds from the Father, these words, and the Son. Who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Okay? When the Eastern church leaders heard that the Western church leaders had done this, they were infuriated and they demanded, you take that little phrase out of there. Well, the Eastern Church uh, clearly did not agree. And by the way, they were not agreeing about some other things as well, like 
the fact that uh, the, 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 the leader of the church at Rome was the pope over the whole church. They did not agree with that. And there were some other side issues as well, kind of like when your family has conflict and drama, it, it's about the thing you're having conflict about, and it's kind of about a lot of other things as well. This is what is going on in the church. But whether or not the Son and the Father sent the Spirit, or just the Father, was a huge uproar. And the reason for that was that the Eastern Church felt like this subordinated the Spirit too much within the Trinity, kind of making the Spirit, if you will, a junior member of the Trinity because it is the Son and the Father that are sending the Spirit, like he's their lackey, if you will. Well, the Western Church responded, emphasizing verses that seemed to indicate that it was the Father and the Son, including the verse that we have before us today, that were sending the Spirit. And the whole thing blew up. Now, this took centuries, Okay? But the whole thing blew up, and in the year 1054, the Western Church declared the Eastern Church heretics. What do you think the Eastern Church thought about that? They didn't like it so much. And so the disagreement, by the way, continues to this day between these two factions of the church. And they ended up splitting into two halves. It's known as the Great Schism in church history. And they split into the Eastern Orthodox Church, which, by the way, Ukraine would also be a part of that, and the Western Roman Catholic Church. And if you drive around our community, we got lots of both of those churches right here. You likely drove by a few to simply get to church uh, here today. By the way, Protestants like us wouldn't show up for another four centuries. If you're charting, like, where are we in the story? We would be in the Protestant uh, branch. Now, that said, here's something that I think we can admire. Can you imagine splitting the worldwide church on a doctrinal matter like this? At least we can say this about those fellows and people back in 1054. They cared a lot about doctrine. They cared a lot about doctrine. Enough to go to war, if you will, and to split the church. At least biblical doctrine mattered to them. Now, if I might, just by way of application, pause for a moment and say that these days, as a pastor... I sigh a lot. I sigh a lot to see church folk going nuclear online and other places over politics, COVID, policies related to these things. I mean, we will go to, you know, the nuclear level on these things. And as a pastor, I sigh because that particular individual, oftentimes, I don't see one one-hundredth the passion for biblical truth or the gospel as I do for the other things. Is it safe yet, by the way, to look back at the COVID years and just note a couple things? I'm not sure if enough time has passed. But can we acknowledge at least that some made not so important things really important things 
and really important things, not so important things. And wouldn't we all do a little bit better to care about the kingdom of God stuff a lot more than the kingdom of man stuff? Did I step on any toes there? Perhaps it's not been long enough to. We need a little more time before we can think rationally about those very interesting years. But Pastor Steve, what do you think? Was it the son and the father? Were the Western church right or the Eastern church right? What is your personal opinion? Here's what I think. I think Jesus did send the Spirit along with the Father. But, and we know for sure that Jesus asked God, the Father, to send the Spirit. He says that earlier in the upper room. As long as we affirm that the sending of the Spirit doesn't in any way diminish the glory of the Holy Spirit, any more than the Father sending Jesus, which he clearly did, diminished the glory of the second person of the Trinity when he was sent by the first person of the Trinity. They're all glorious. They're all God, all worthy of our praise. That's my answer. Perhaps I should have been around 1,054. Things could have gone better. I don't know. All right. Now back to the verse. Okay, we're taking this verse apart. But when the helper comes... Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And here now we have one of the critical things to realize regarding why the Holy Spirit is here. As Jesus says here, he is here to bear witness to the truth, specifically the truth about Jesus. In fact, notice the title. He is called the Spirit of Truth. And in a sense, of course, he is. I mean, he is God. He is co-equal with God, shares the nature of God. And what do we know about God? First John, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Titus 1, God who cannot lie. God can't lie. There's no shadow. There's no darkness. He is all light. He is all truth. So therefore, everything the Holy Spirit says and does is consistent with what is true in God and who is true, which is God. The Holy Spirit emanates from the very heart of God. Therefore, as we yield to His leading, we can trust we're aligning ourselves with the character of God. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and a message called The Holy Helper. You can replay the message online at thejourney.fm. Well, today, we were reminded of one of the greatest benefits of having a relationship with Christ, the helping presence of the Holy Spirit. But that benefit is accessible only to those who have faith and trust in Jesus. And that's why every day on The Journey, we share the gospel with listeners worldwide via the radio and internet, so that men and women around the world can have the opportunity to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. When you make a generous gift of any amount to this ministry, you'll help us reach even more people through this Bible teaching program. So would you give today? You can do so by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or you can visit us online at thejourney.fm. As a token of our gratitude for your generosity, we'd like to send you a book that complements our current series and builds anticipation for Easter. It's titled, The Case for Easter. A Journalist Investigates Evidence for the Resurrection. It's by renowned author Lee Strobel. Written in a gripping journalistic style, this book delves into the fundamental questions surrounding the resurrection. 
Is Jesus Christ's resurrection a mere myth steeped in superstition? Or is it a profound reality that can transform lives? The evidence presented is compelling and the verdict is left to your discernment. To receive your copy, simply reach out to us today by dialing 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just enter your name and email in the box at the bottom of the page. And join us for worship this weekend at Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana, where Steve DeWitt pastors. You'll find directions and more at BethelWeb.org. Well, I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us next time for more teaching from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.